book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 1. The Bible says, And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. He, and he shook off the beast in the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, then they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Father, for the next few moments here tonight, I ask you to just use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Lord, give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word tonight. Give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us. And, Lord, give us the godly wisdom to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The title of the message tonight is Shake It Off and Keep On Moving. Shake it off and keep on moving. Amen. Now, we're going to take a look at Paul's journey to Rome here. And he had many trials awaiting him yet in Rome. Paul was going to Rome as a prisoner. And let's go back and take a look at just shortly before this, Acts chapter 27, back up just a little bit. We're going to look at verse 22. Let's just go back here at verse 13. It says, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, Loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain land, or a certain island, running under a certain island, which is called Clauda. We had much work to come by the, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps in undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete. He told them not to do it. And to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. So the ship was the only thing going to be lost, not any man's life. He said, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So he's telling them, Listen, all you that are sailing with me, are not going to be harmed. You're going to be just fine because God has told me that He's protected you, all those that are with me. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Amen. So then they were shipwrecked, And they came to shore. 
Amen. Some of them came in on broken pieces, and they all came to land. Amen. Now, Paul was comforted by that angel and was told that everything was going to be fine. They were shipwrecked and stranded on this island, but they were alive. Here the Bible tells us that they were met by some barbarians, barbarous people, which were people that were considered that were, were not Jews and, and they were... Uh, they were people that just lived outside the laws of God and outside a lot of uh, laws of anything uh, in some instances. But here, the Bible says in verse 41, And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder parts was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners. They all got together and said, Let's just kill them all so they don't escape lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, which was the head of them, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship, and some, uh, and so it came to pass that as they escaped all safe, that they escaped all safe to land. Now, here's where we come in for the text tonight. When they were escaped, they knew that they were on an island called Melita, the barbarous people, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. Well, they came out, and they welcomed them, and they brought them, uh, they brought them uh, blankets and things and, and, uh, and kindled a fire and uh, kindled a fire for them and received them and because of the rain and because it was cold. So they saw that they were shipwrecked, and they all swam ashore, and they helped them. So when Paul, the Bible says, Paul went to gather some, some sticks, some bundles of sticks. Now, here, Paul, after going through shipwreck, having to swim to shore, some people coming in on broken pieces, listen, Living a life for God never promises you that everything's going to be a bed of roses. Matter of fact, quite the contrary. Paul's ministry, and he was the greatest apostle, the most anointed man of God beside Jesus himself that ever lived on this earth. Amen. Paul began his ministry with the Lord telling him through Ananias, he said, you go and pray for him. And he said, and I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, see, you're people of the name now. That's what we're known by. We're people of the name. We're oneness, apostolic, Pentecostals, people of the name. Amen. That's what sets us apart. And so he said... I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Bible says that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So he told him right off the bat, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer greatly. For my name's sake. This was how his ministry started. Amen. But that didn't scare Paul off. He jumped in with both feet. Man started preaching right away. Amen. And he went in the Lord himself. Now, he took off after that, and he was gone for three years. And the Lord taught him. He taught him in Mount Sinai, where he brought the word to Moses as well. You look back and study where Paul took off in the land he went into. He went into the land of Sinai. Amen. And that's where he spent three years. And the Lord himself taught Paul. What an awesome, awesome thing. He said, I did not learn this from any apostle nor any man, but from the Lord. Amen. And he understood all mysteries. He understood everything. Praise God. That's an awesome thing. That's power right there. That's power right there. Amen. So here, Paul, 
I want you to look at several things here tonight. I want you to understand something that, like I said before, listen, this walk never said that it was going to be easy. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But that's in comparison to what the devil piles up on you. But let me tell you something. This walk goes expressly against the flesh and everything thereof. So when you get in this walk, the Bible tells us that, man, it's on. It's on. And though Paul was living for God, though Paul was blazing trails for Jesus, and I never read anything about Paul other than him telling us himself, about his hardships, he said that, you know, the, the things that I would, those things I do not. The things that I would not, those things I do. But I, I, I never saw anywhere where Paul uh, was, was doing some crazy stuff against the Lord or made mistakes or anything like that. Never, never saw anywhere where Jesus rebuked Saul after he, after he started living for God. Man, he went all in. Amen. And, but yet, here, Paul is going from prison to prison, council to council. He's on the way to Rome right now. Amen. He's a prisoner. Not only is he on the way to Rome, but he's on a ship that he told them not to, not to leave the shore, and they left anyway. Now he's on a ship in the middle of a hurricane, and now, now the ship runs into a place where two, where two waters met, and they run the ship aground in the middle ocean. And buddy, let me tell you something. When you're on a water and it's bad water and you come into a place where two bad waters meet, it is an unbelievable situation. I've been there in bass tournaments and I'm going to tell you, buddy, it's a scary, scary thing. Because when you come into it, one's going this way and one's going this way and when they, and they're already up and they're high and they're choppy. Buddy, when they hit each other, then it's every which way, and there's no there's no way to navigate it. And so, man, it dropped them onto an island, broke the broke the ship up, and here they are thrown out in the middle of the water. Now, imagine trying to swim in in the middle of water, doing this in the ocean. I mean, it ain't like trying to just swim. Go out in the ocean sometime and try to swim against the current, and then try to swim with swells coming up like this. I mean, it's a tough, tough thing. It's much tougher than this this story makes it sound like. Some of the people come in on broken pieces of the ship. That'll tell you how rough it was. It beat the ship into, into pieces. Amen. So, so here's Paul living for God, blazing trails for Jesus, doing everything he can to live for God. All these things are happening to him. He's in a shipwreck. He made it to land. He makes it to land. Just in the midst of getting warmed up, they've already got a fire. But what does Paul do? He didn't lay down, sit there, and start warming himself by the fire. He got up and went out and started gathering some sticks to keep the fire going. Amen. Because he's a worker. Praise God. That's what God's looking for right there. Praise God. Listen, he's not looking for somebody looking for a place to lay down. He's looking for somebody looking for a place to get busy. Praise God. Looking for something that he's needed for. Praise the Lamb of God. Amen. Listen, when you sign on to this, the reason God chose me is because there's somebody most likely turned the job down. I said, here my Lord, send me. And here I am. Living proof that God can do anything with nothing. Now, Paul is doing good he goes out, he's gathering wood to warm the rest. He didn't run away. He didn't run away. He knew if God had him in that position, there's a reason for it. Amen. So, what happens? Out of the, out of the middle of fire, here comes a snake. And fastens on his hand. Didn't just bite him. He just grabbed onto him. A viper. And, of course, I love this story because it just, it just tells so much about the nature of people. First thing they said, ah, ha, 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 yeah, because they knew he was a prisoner. said, oh, yeah, this man's a murderer. 
They didn't probably know what he was in. They had no idea what he was in there for. Yep, he's a murderer. And though the sea didn't kill him, yet vengeance won't suffer him to live. Because, you know, what goes around comes around, so he's got to die. So a snake come out of the fire and bit him, so he'll die. And they're sitting there looking at him, and he's sitting over there probably, I don't know, drinking a cappuccino, you know, and a frappuccino sitting by the fire eating a donut with no sugar on it because Sister Rosie cooked it. <laughs> a peanut butter sugarless cookie. Amen. And chewing on some no-salted, no-roasted nuts that Sister Quick gave to him. And nothing happened to him when he should have fell over dead. So they immediately changed their tune from, No, no, he's not a, he's not a murderer. He's a God. Just like that. Went from murderer to God. Why don't that ever happen to me? I just stay a murderer. That never happens to me. Yeah. Well, I've been called a lot of good stuff by people when they first meet me. Till they've been here a little while, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know, folks, a lot of times in the midst of your trials, out will come a viper. Just when you thought everything was falling in and it couldn't get any worse, (laughs) here it comes. But you know what? What does it say over there in Psalms 34, 19, Sister Sandra? I know you heard her back there. I know little soft lips back here. She's all the time doing that. Amen. Bible says, Many are the afflictions of the heathens, but the... Huh? Well, that can't be right. You're going to have to change that in your Bible there. You're going to have to race that out of there and put the, put heathens. Because that wouldn't work right if it's many afflictions of the righteous. What are the righteous? What are the righteous, Brother Victor? What is righteousness? What God declares is right. Where do you find that? No, where do you find what God declares is right? In the Word, that's right. That's where you find. So whatever God declares is right is righteousness, right? Okay, so who's the righteous? The ones that are doing what God said is right. Righteousness is whatsoever God declares is right, and the righteous are the people that do it. You see what I mean? They are following righteousness. They're following what God says is right. That makes them righteous. It makes them right in God's eyes because they're following what He declares they need to follow. You see what I mean? Got that? Okay, so the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Didn't say heathens, didn't say sinners. It said that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen. That's the kind of things Paul was going through because he was a righteous man. But he was always being afflicted by one thing or another. But you know what? Paul turned lemons into lemonade. Man, he knew. He knew. No matter what came. This is a God thing right here. Well, what's the matter with you crazy nut? How can that be a God thing? I serve a God that's got me. Whatsoever I go through, it's a God thing. Paul's the one that wrote eight, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that 
all things work together for the good to them that love God and those who are called according to His own purpose. Whose purpose? Jesus' purpose. Do you think you're called into this to just kind of freelance it? Do you think you're called into this to kind of just wing it? Do you really understand that you're on a mission and you work for God? God is using you every day of your life. Whether you see it or not, God is preparing you for the next thing ahead. If you find yourself standing still sometime and you know you're living for God and you're doing the things that you can for God, what are you worried about? If something jumps out and bites you, sometimes it's to strengthen you. Did you know how they make anti-venom? With venom. Did you know one of the greatest things that they ever used to make anti-venom was a sheep? They put it in the sheeps, put it in sheep, over in the Middle East especially. And they take the blood out of that lamb and they make anti-venom with it. And when somebody gets snake bit they send them the blood of the lamb to reverse the effects of that snake bite in America they use horses because they can make so much more from them sometimes when you are snake bit in the spirit realm, as we're talking about right now. Sometimes it ain't got nothing to do with you. Sometimes it's strictly for somebody else's benefit. And God saw you as worthy to use you as an example of how to overcome a problem that that person could not overcome. How many... Millions of people through the years have looked at the story of Job. We've talked about that. How many people were standing there contemplating killing themselves? Contemplating what a loss of their life was what a waste of life that their life was everything fell apart everything was just just destroyed no way they could make it everybody always looks at how jesus lord showed me that he showed me that in job everybody always looks and how Jesus told the devil and turned him loose on Job. A perfect man. A perfect man. And said, have you considered my servant Job? But I'm here to tell you today. He said that one time to the devil. Actually said it twice. But how many times... Has God Himself, after Job, went through that trial and came out on the other side better than He went in it? How many times has God spoke to that man or woman in despair who was contemplating suicide and God stepped in and said the same thing? Have you considered my servant Job? Woo! Hallelujah! How many times 
that turns somebody's thinking all the way around right there in a moment's time where God said, have you considered my servant Job? Look how he handled it. Look how he came out on the other side. Amen. He thought everything was gone. He thought it was over. Look what he suffered. Look how he came out. There was an end to it. It wasn't when he wanted the end to it. It was when it was time for an end to it. There will be a time in your trial where God will step in because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, never. I will never leave you. Never. Never. Never will he forsake you. Just because you're in the midst of a fire, he just hadn't come yet because it's not time yet. God is trying to achieve something. Everything that's going on in your life has a purpose behind it. Amen. Because you are called according to His purpose. Everything in your life has a purpose behind it. God has that purpose right there in His hand. Your life ain't just happening. Your life is being made to happen. There ain't no accidents in living for God. You just think you're making decisions. God ain't going to let you mess this up. (laughs) He knows we're idiots. He knew it when he picked you up. He forgot our frame that we're dust. Bible says he pitieth us as a father pitieth his children. But the whole time, Job was going through all of those things. Don't you know that the eyes of God were on Job every minute? And the devil was not just cut loose on him. The devil had rules to follow. The devil had stipulations. And there will come a time, just as it did with Job, that the Lord stepped in and He said, It is enough! That's it. You're done. And the sun started rising (laughs) once again. Paul, look at all Paul suffered, but look at all that man did for God. Now, I'm going to make you feel like a heel right now, because look at all he did. And nothing to work with. Wonder what he could do in the day and time we live in. The Bible said And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Look at verse 5. And he shook it off. (laughs) He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. This walk ain't never promised you no no snakes, no vipers. But the Bible said, any man live for me, he will never die. He will never die. This old physical body's going to die. But if you're ready to meet Jesus, you ain't going nowhere. You ain't going to die. Your last breath here is your first breath there. I don't fear death. There was a time I did. I don't fear death anymore. 
he comes for me, it's my time to go. Paul was attacked while doing good. Ever been there? How many of you consider being a part of this church is doing good? Don't you know you're doing good? Ever been attacked while doing good? Ever had people that you thought was good turn into vipers on you? And bite on you and hang on you? Won't turn you loose? Just hang on it. And go everywhere and tell everybody they're hanging on it. Even to the point where somebody's saying out there that just, dear God, don't like you either, but dear God, give them a break, man. I mean, how much you going to eat these people up? Dear God, you've shot them, run over them, stabbed them, boiled them in all. You, Dear God, give them a break. Huh. It's pretty bad when your enemies feel bad for you. You know, huh. there's a whole lot of times when you're doing right. Those vipers are going to come. But if you never was in nothing, you'd never get delivered out of nothing. If God did not remind us from time to time what a mighty God it is we serve, how would we know it? If He never had to step in and do some supernatural things that we can't do ourselves, how would we know what kind of God we serve? Paul, like many of us, or like many people in the world, could have let that discourage him. I mean, he could have just thrown the towel and said, that's it. I've been shipwrecked, drowned 27 times, man. I mean, he could have, you know, instead of giving a testimony <laughs> of how he was, how he was five times beaten, Amen, 39 stripes. And how that he was, man, how he was shipwrecked and night and day had been in the deep three uh, three times and, and all this kind of stuff and perils of shipwreck and perils of the deep and perils of countrymen and perils of robbers and perils of thieves. and <laughs> Man, uh, you know, I mean, instead of going through all that and testifying on the behalf, he could have took that to God. How many times have you done that? You don't have to answer. Just something to contemplate. Well, God, look at all I've endured. God, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. Dear God, have you been beat me up over here? You smacked me down right there. You beat me down over here. You cracked me in the head over here. You, you know. <laughs> How many times have you gone to God and complained? Maybe I'm the only one. Job did. But if you'll notice, that's when he got God's undivided attention. When God said, hold on just a minute, Spanky. <laughs> Back the wagon up there. <laughs> Yeah. Come here, Leviathan. I may need you. <laughs> that was also when it stopped. Let me tell you something. God knows your limitations. He knows your limitations. He's not trying to kill you. Sometimes He is trying to break you. But He's not trying to kill you. He's trying to build you. He's trying to mold you. He's trying to prepare you for things ahead. Amen. And He's using you even when you have no idea He's using you. Do you think that Job ever contemplated in his life, even after all those things had happened, even after he was on the other side of it, had twice as much as he ever had, even after it was all over, or even during the midst of the thing, or when it started, do you think it ever crossed his mind that millions and millions of people would read his story 
and fall on their face. Would fall on their face before God and thank Him and praise Him and worship Him because of Job's reaction. Do you think that crossed his mind while he was going through the storm? Buddy, let me tell you something. It may not cross your mind either, but I guarantee you, just like Job, God's doing something with your life. He's doing something. You just keep plowing and pushing forward. Shake it off, soldier, and keep moving forward. Praise the Lamb of God. That's the only way you're ever going to get to the other side of this testimony. It's the only way you're ever going to come out of that storm to that sunrise once again. Hallelujah. God's doing something with you. Don't you doubt it for a minute. Just because you don't see it, neither did Job. Amen. But let me tell you something. We are modern day people of legend in the world we live in today. Because there's none left. None left that love Him. There's none left that love Him more than they love the man or woman in the mirror. There's none left that are willing to stand up and say no to the flesh and yes to God. Who else can God use to champion for Him? Who else? If Paul, the greatest apostle that ever lived, if Job, a perfect man, was not exempt, if Noah, who was the only one found righteous, was not exempt from having to build his own boat for a hundred years, What in the Lord's creation would give people the idea that we just say we believe in Jesus and we're exempt from it all? And that's exactly what they preach. But I'm here to tell you, you look at any soldier in the army of the Lord, any of his apostles and disciples, every one of them had a daily battle. It was part of the walk. But you look back at them soldiers. They ain't got no more battle now. Their battle's over. Their battle's over. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible is filled with stories of His people suffering. We, as Paul did, need to shake off the problems of this life. Because they're going to come. Don't let discouragement set in and overtake you and overthrow you. If you are in covenant, it is enough. It is enough to keep you because as long as you're in covenant and you hold to that and you stand on that God will never ever let you down he will never fail you hold on 
to the promises in the Word of God. Hold on and don't doubt. Somebody get me Mark eleven twenty three. Brother Edward, you got it? Come on. Listen carefully. Did you catch that? You shall have whatsoever he saith. What's the key? You don't doubt. You know what? You don't doubt even to the point where you say it. This is what I'm going to have. This is how it's going to happen right here. Amen. You doubt not in your heart, in your heart. Where's your heart? Right here. And you know what the Bible says? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know what happens to people if they truly don't believe? It's coming out of that mouth. And that seals it. Because according to your faith, be it done unto you. People say, well, I just don't have faith. Sure you do. What, is, what makes the difference is what direction is that faith pointed in. You got faith. You either have faith you're going to do it, or you have faith that you can't. Either way, faith works. Faith works every time. Because the Bible said, if you have faith... And you say unto this mountain or a problem in your life. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and doubt not in your heart. But believeth that those things that he has said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I had a mountain one time in my life. I was running out of money. Some of you heard this. Had a stack of bills sitting on the counter. I had all my customers. I knew all my customers. I'd already talked to all of them. Had jobs coming up, but it was going to be another couple of months. We'd already been three months. It was a slow time of the year. Three months without work. Well, all the money we had was gone, and we had some stack of bills sitting on the counter over there. It wasn't no giant bunch of money, but nothing nothing leaves nothing. <laughs> And uh, I come in. I was living for the Lord, blazing trails for Jesus, and I come in. My wife was sitting at the kitchen table, man. She just had her head down and looked like somebody shot her cat. Walked in there, and she just sitting there at the table, uh, sitting over the checkbook like this. And I walked in. Praise Him. Come in. I was, man, I was, I just joyful. I just had the joy of the Lord on me, you know. Come in. I said, honey, you all right? She said, well, uh, you must know something I don't. I said, well, man, I know Jesus. Praise God. Who do you know? She said, well, well, I'll tell you what I know is that we got a stack of bills sitting over there, and and I know that you've talked to all your customers, and you ain't got nothing coming in for the next month or two months, whatever it was. And she said, we're, we're out of money. I said, honey, I said, let me tell you what. I'm living for God. I'm praying, fasting studying, seeking Him. I'm out doing God's work every day. I'm paying my tithes, giving offerings, doing everything I can for the Lord. And I said, let me tell you how this is going to happen. And this is exactly what I said. I said, now, I said, let me tell you, let me tell you what's fixing to happen. I said, any minute now, that phone's going to ring. And I said, 
On the other end of that phone is going to be somebody, a contractor that I haven't done work for in over a year. They're going to have a job. It's going to be a good job. And it's going to be ready to start immediately. And it's going to pay me immediately. And it's going to be good money. I said, you watch and see. They would do Friday. This was probably like a Tuesday or something like that. So, I said, you watch and see. And I walked and I took two steps. And it went, ring. I stopped and I turned around and looked at her and her mouth almost hit the floor. I said, there's the call. So I went on down the hall. She grabbed the phone, off the acoustics. Got on the other end of the phone says, hi, my name is uh, Justin Ebert. He said, uh. Is Mr. Hoffman around? She, she, he said, he did a job for me a little over a year ago. And uh, I hadn't talked to him since then, but he said, man, uh, is he around? He said, I've got a job and uh, I really need him to do. And she, she had the phone like it had a booger on it. She had it with two fingers like this. And she looked at me and she handed me the phone like this. And I went over and I grabbed the phone. Hello? Hey, man, this is Justin Eber. You remember me? You did a job for me. I said, yeah, I remember you, Justin. He said, you did a job for me a little over a year ago. I said, yeah. He said, "Uh, man, he said, I got a job out here in Leaper's Fork. I said, "Uh, pretty pretty, pretty nice little job. It's a new custom home I built. And he said, these people, you know, want a real nice, uh, they want to turn their basement into a real nice, uh, you know, uh, uh, room down there. And he said, uh, I told them that, you know, they want something really nice and said, you know, I just told them that, you know, you, you would treat them fair and they want you to go ahead and decide what to use. I said, well, I know exactly what I'm going to use for them, you know. And he said, I told them, you know, you'd treat them fair. I said, well, of course I will, you know. And I said, well, I said, next question is, I said, when's it ready to, when's it ready? He said, it's ready right now. You can do it today if you want to. I said, well, I, how about in the morning? He said, okay, that'll be fine. I said, all right, man, I'll be there tomorrow. the morning. So the next day came, went out there and, my little wife went with me. We went out there. We knocked it out ourselves. Didn't get my men to do it. I did it ourselves. We did it ourselves. Knocked it out in a couple hours. Netted $1,800. Guy paid me on the spot just like that. Come back. Paid all the bills on the counter. And and that took us right to the next to the next job for, for money. And, uh, yeah, praise God. And stuff like that's happened so many times through the years. And it happened exactly like I said it would. Exactly like I said it would. I told him that years later. I had him on another job, and he actually started living for the Lord later. Got the Holy Ghost and all that. And, and so I told him, I said, man, let me tell you something. You're going to like this. And, man, it just lit him up. I said, man, you called? And I said, I just got through speaking that, you know. He's like, you're kidding me. I said, no, man. Yeah, it was amazing. That's the God I serve right there. He said, when you, when you say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And that's exactly what I said when I said, hey, I'm living for Jesus. I'm doing what the Word of God tells me to do. I'm doing my job, praise God. And let me tell you how this is going to happen. Amen. The money is fixing to come right now because we need it right now. Amen. It's going to be here right now, praise God, because time is up. Amen. And God will not fail me. Watch and see. Any minute now, boom, it happened exactly like I said it was going to happen to the letter, didn't it? But it happened exactly like I called it. Yeah, that's the God I serve right there. I wouldn't have that testimony if all those things didn't happen. But I do have that testimony, and it's the truth. And because of that, somebody might get uplifted one day when they're sitting in a place where they got three months worth of bills stacking up. Well, we didn't have three months worth of bills stacking up. We just run out of money after three months of time. And it was coming due. But that still, nevertheless, gave me a testimony to share with other people. That, look, no matter where you're at, God can show up and take care of it instantaneously. Amen. Jesus ain't broke. So neither are you. When you live for God, yeah, you're not broke. Because your husband ain't broke. If Jesus ain't broke, you married him. 
if he ain't broke, neither are you. <laughs> so what are you worried about? So what if a snake comes and bites you? Shake him off in the fire and feel no hurt. Keep moving forward. Praise God. Just a snake. Just a snake. Snake's going to bite you. Don't play with them. They bite. So many people are quick to pass judgment. Don't let it phase you. Just keep on keeping on. The best revenge in this life is living well. You ain't got to be rich. Just be right. You ain't got to be rich. Just be holy and pure. And God will shine His light through you. A lot of people act like they ignore your blessings. A lot of people act like they don't really even care that you have power with God. You know when you can tell how much they care about the power you have with God? Yeah, when they need God. And they call you. (laughs) Or they text you. Because they know people are not nearly as stupid as you think they are. They talk out of this side of their mouth and that side of their mouth. See, they act like you're crazy. Well, I don't believe you have to do all that. That's just a nicer way of saying, I ain't going to do all that. But when it comes down to it, they know who to call. Because they know who is doing all that. And they know that's how you get close to God. They really know it. Just like homosexuals know that it's wrong what they're doing. And they do. They know it's wrong. Every one of them know it's wrong. Every one of them know it's wrong. But they hang with one another. They stay with one another to feed that frenzy and to keep themselves moving forward in that wickedness. They feed off of each other. And they exhort one another. And they encourage one another. Now they've even got so-called straight people. They say straight people. I don't know if they're straight or not, but condoning it. And they're encouraging them too. Well, just whatever you feel, follow your heart. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Follow your heart. You know that thing that the Lord said was desperately wicked. (laughs) Deceitful above all things. But they know it's wrong. Whenever I get near a homosexual, the spirit in them gets very uneasy. I mean, they just get real uncomfortable around me. Because the spirit in them knows the spirit in me. And buddy, they'll start getting nervous and you know, and they'll try to get gone real quick. Had a homosexual woman come look at my house when I was selling my house to buy this place here. Man, she didn't last no time. She come over there and her and this gal, you know. And uh man, she just made a couple passes through there and that's all it took. She had to go. Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, I had a baptistry back there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still on that trailer over there. I got another baptistry on that trailer back there. She said, what's that? I said, that's a baptistry. Okay, got to go. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She didn't waste no time. Amen. Listen, when you're going through trials, just know you're not the first one. You're not going to be the last one. There's been many of them going through trials before us. There'll be many after us. Amen. Lord, Terry's. 
Jesus was constantly going through trials and going through criticism. I know people criticized you, and they criticize you behind your back. They talk smack. It's the only way they can justify themselves. They have to talk talk you down, and that talks them up. Makes them just, they're, they're justifying what they're doing and them not living like you're living. They're trying to justify it to themselves when really, truly they know that this is the right walk. Jesus dealt with the same thing. He was accused of being in league with Satan. And he never, he never reviled them again. When they reviled him, he never reviled them back. So shake off that criticism and just keep moving forward. You are all that. You are all that. That's why God chose you. Who would have ever thought Paul would have made a good Christian? Who would ever thought Peter would have made a good, good soldier? Look at all they did. You have no idea how much you've already done. Man, you caused a lot of damage to that old devil's kingdom. You got people thinking. You got people stirred up. They are mad. They ain't happy about it. You're making, man, you are, you're putting gasoline in their cornflakes, man. They do not like it. You got your whole family upset. You too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hating it. Why? Because they know it's right. They know it's right. You know Why? Because it's all Bible. Not anything we do is not Bible. Everything we do is Bible, and they can't refute it. There's no way they can refute it, not with no Bible. Now, they can come with Dr. Spock's theory or Dr. Spankmoid or whatever his name is, or Spankmeyer, but they ain't going to never come with no Bible. Ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. The Lord showed us by example. How to keep plowing. He didn't want to go to Calvary. But he did. Why? Because that's how it had to be. That's how it had to be. But because he did. Because God himself robed himself in this wicked flesh to show us how it can be done. He said, you know what? You're going to come the same way he did, or you're not coming. If I robed myself in flesh and caused that flesh to endure sinless flesh, to endure what he endured for your wickedness? Oh, no, honey. You're going through it, too. You're going to suffer, too. If you think you're going to cakewalk into this after all I let my son suffer, who was sinless for you bunch of wicked rebels, you think you're going to skate in through heaven? No, 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 no. No man... It will come unto me, but by him, the same way he did it. That's how you're coming in. You're coming in. He's the door. He left you an example, and that's how it's going to be done. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, just like I did, take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow him where? Follow him to that Calvary's hill. Follow him to that tree that he hung himself on. He said, no man does this to me. 
He said, you ain't doing nothing to me that the Father don't allow. In another place, he said, I can call legions of angels. He could have called them just like that and stopped it all, but he didn't do it. What makes you think that he's just going to stop every trial you have? What would have happened if Calvary didn't happen? Wonder what kind of servant Paul would have been if he never went through anything. We sure preach a lot about all he endured. Why? If we don't need to go through all this stuff, what's it doing in here? If there's no need for us to go through anything like they did, what in the world is it all in here for? What do we need to hear about it for? What do we need to hear about their victories in all these situations if if we're never going to go through any? We're going to go through them just like they did. The key to it is shake it off. Keep moving. Keep your feet moving. Things are going to happen. Shake it off. Keep moving forward. Stand with me tonight.